You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in to Inside Carolina's Postgame Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. That's Greg Barnes. is your second one it is yeah second one on the season fun times here good game to discuss north carolina wins 85 61 over boston college we are sponsored by johnny t-shirt johnny t-shirt.com if you're here you probably have the inside carolina live channel on your youtube and you're subscribed or you're on the tar pit premium message boards or you saw the tweet whatever you're doing make sure you're following all the inside carolina stuff on social media and also on the message boards and get in and Johnny T-shirt hooks you up. Shout out to the close to 100 folks that are already in here. Greg, Carolina uh, entitled this one one down for the heels. Uh, they, they did exactly what they needed to do tonight. Almost, almost, and we'll certainly talk about it, a perfect evening for the Tar Heels. Yeah, for sure, Tom. I mean, I, like you said, I think they, they came out uh, and they established control relatively early over that 13-0 run. Uh, and from there, you, Boston College is not a, a good offensive team. I was kind of looking at their numbers earlier. Uh, they're 278th nationally in effective field goal percentage, 301st in three-point field goal percentage, and 239 in two-point field goal percentage. So this very much was a game where if Carolina could establish a little bit of a working margin, uh it would become a lot easier for them. And obviously that happened. Carolina built that double digit lead uh, real early. Uh, as Roy always said, the ball, you know, everything looks better when the ball goes in the basket. Carolina was able to knock down some, some threes, ended up making 10. Um, it's as talented as this team is. And this is a preseason number one team for a reason. When they're making shots, especially from the perimeter, they're going to be hard to beat. And um, it, it just, everything kind of fell into place tonight. A lot of different players looked pretty good. They had a good assist turnover ratio, 16 to 7. You always like to see that. And, uh, you know, Boston College went on a few runs, but Carolina was able to answer, and it was just a comfortable game for North Carolina. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of points folks were making in the chat. Let's go ahead and get the elephant out of the room. Um, freely admit that um, when I saw it happen, I was like, well, that's season. Armando Baycott sprains his ankle really on his own. Uh, you know, just coming down, he's had that issue throughout his career at North Carolina. He's he's had some horrific injuries. Greg, your thoughts when you saw that, one. And two, um, Baycott being healthy obviously is an important thing for this team. I don't know if he's really been healthy all year. But anyway, what do you think? 
Yeah, well, this game, I don't think anybody really thought this was going to be a game in doubt, right? I mean, yes, Boston College, I know they beat Virginia a couple weeks ago, uh, but this is a team that ranked 162nd in the net coming into the night. I mean, this is solidly a Q3 victory. Um, There's no reason to think North Carolina wouldn't win this game. And because of that, your goal is, okay, come in, get an early lead, kind of put them away, and then stay healthy. Don't let anybody get hurt because they can't afford injuries with, with their limited depth anyway. Uh, so to see that, especially with it being the same ankle that he hurt, what, two months ago at, you at Virginia, um, not, not a good thing at all. It was good to see that he was able to come back and actually get some play on it. But as everybody knows, uh, you know, once you rest for an extended period of time and the adrenaline goes away and your body's not as warm anymore and all those things kind of, kind of build, you can get tight real easy. And so while it was good to see him back in the second half for just a few minutes, um, it's really going to depend on tomorrow morning, how he feels in pregame shoot-around to see exactly how effective he can be uh, tomorrow night. Yeah, and, and like we've said, he's done it a lot. Uh, I mean, I, I think it may have been his freshman year. He turned one against Ohio State, and then they go to Virginia, and nobody thought he would play, and he played. Um, so he certainly played used great, to yeah. Yeah, he's, he's certainly used to and – and I've told the story before, and I'll tell it again shortly, briefly here, is I remember watching Julius Peppers covering games. Shout out to J.B. Sissel, late J.B. Sissel. We were there, and Julius rolled his ankle to the ground. I mean, it made my butt hurt. It was so nasty turn, and he didn't even remember it in the postgame locker room. He What? I don't know what you're talking about. Did I? And it's just – it's one of those things where it affects people differently, and, and Baycott certainly not one of those that doesn't remember. Um, so he'll battle that tomorrow against Virginia. Um, you know he wants to play against Virginia. He did not get the chance to first go round, um, and he's had some super games. But we'll see how that shakes out. To Greg's point, that'll be a thing. Um, he'll be a game time decision. He'll he'll absolutely play, and uh, we'll see how much he can do. But Carolina needs a healthy Baycott, Greg, because I want to talk about this aspect of it. When Baycott was out there early and they were able to go in and out, they got a lot of nice, clean step-in three-pointers. And and frankly, RJ and Caleb are so much better when they're getting those. Did you see any sort of shift? Granted, Boston College is not that good, but Virginia won't allow that. And, and so how much does Baycott's presence or absence affect Carolina's offense? Well, for sure. You know, Baycott's such a, a dominant presence down low. Um, and we've talked about it a lot this year is that, you know, when, when North Carolina's struggling shooting the ball, teams know they can just go collapse on Armando because he's he's their best option. Um, and without Armando being in there, Boston College was able to kind of tighten up defensively. They threw some different looks at Carolina. I know they went zone several times. Well, they went 1-3-1 a time or two uh, in addition to their man defense. I um, mean, after that hot start, uh, I like the fact that they, I mean, Hubert brought out Armando early out to the perimeter and that opened up some, some lanes for RJ and Caleb, especially to kind of attack the basket. Um, and Boston college was able kind of to adjust a little bit with Armando not in there. Uh, and you know, they're okay defensively anyway, uh, offense is really where they struggle the most. So sure. You know, when you've got a presence like Armando who can do so many different things and such a good rebounder, because of his size, uh, that that makes it a lot easier for the for the opposing team to 
plan for, whether it be offensively or defensively. Yeah, let's and, and you're listening to Inside Carolina Post Game Podcast, sponsored by Johnny T-shirt, of course. Let's talk a little bit about individual players. Um, we'll get to Love and Davis um, because, to your point, if they play like that, Carolina's not going to lose, um, or it would be very tough to lose. But Pete Nance. And I think Pete Nance making shots is a good thing. He's four for five, did not take a three, which is probably a good thing. But Pete Nance defending the rim has not really been a thing too terribly much this year. And Carolina desperately needs it. What did you think of the big fella? Yeah, and I think a lot of people forget that you know, Pete Nance played center the majority of his, his last two years at Northwestern. Um, so when he came in, and then there's some some people kind of brought up the fact that hey, how good of a fit is this moving Pete to power forward when he's been a center you know, for quite a bit of time, even though he could you know step out and obviously knock down some some outside shots. Uh, and I think we saw that tonight. I mean, he's got good length. He's a good shot blocker. Has a good feel. I mean, there there were some times when guys equally his size were in good position to score down low, and he was able to time it up just right. And if he didn't get the block, he could really uh, affect the shot. And so, yeah, that, that was a good, nice thing to see. And if Armando is not able to go at full strength or he needs additional time, especially tomorrow, um, I think that's a situation where that would be helpful. Because uh, I think Virginia, if they don't have to go with one of the bigs, especially uh, Shedrick, they'd probably rather not have to. And so that, that may be a better fit for Pete Nance as well anyway. Yeah, and, and then you look at why Pete Nance is so important. Jalen Washington, everybody talks about the bench they need to play. Jalen Washington, uh, you know, 0 for 0 for 0 for 0 for, did have a couple rebounds in six minutes. Did did he need to play more to this point? Absolutely. But he just did not look ready tonight. And, Greg, one thing that people were pointing out in, in the chat and in, in the on Twitter is he just did not look strong enough to really hold his position or to be any sort of presence on the inside. Um, and so, yeah, that makes Pete Nance even more important going forward, given Baycott's health. Yeah, for sure. It was good to see Dontrez Styles play a little bit more. Um, he, he, I think he got double-digit minutes. Of, uh, yep, he did. He got 11 minutes. Yep. Uh, so it's good to see him in there a little bit. Uh, I thought he played pretty well. I know he had that that one player, he picked up his dribble and got, got tied up you know, out on the perimeter. But other than that, I thought he was solid. Uh, and, you know, Jalen Washington's a, a freshman. He's coming off some significant uh, knee issues. And while he did have that that good game, I guess that was at Virginia, um, you yeah, know, he just hadn't really played. And I'm sure there's a reason for that. And, um, you know, as you said, Tommy, I mean, it's ACC tournament time. So this is not the time to really build depth. You're going to make sure you guys get rested. But, you know, all the conversation about building depth, that's in the past. Because right now you're just trying to win these games. Uh, and so give him some time, let him get some experience. But I don't think he's the guy that you're going to be able to count on unless it's an emergency situation. Yeah, and DeMarco Dunn, two eight points. He, he finally made a couple three-pointers. Seth Trimble got a couple baskets. Uh, I mean, the bench at this point in the season, they are what they are. They've just got to not be a negative when they're out there. And anything positive, um, whether it's points or defensive play, is all gravy at this point. Um, it makes it a little more difficult for the bench just to do that if Baycott's injured or, or, you know, not healthy. But when you look at down the line that we've talked about all year, Trimble, Styles, Dunn, Washington, even Puff Johnson, who has really, I think, digressed a, a fair amount, they just cannot be a 
negative. And Tyler Nickel got some run and, and didn't look great. But at this point, to Greg's point, and this is what people in the chat need to listen to and people in the YouTube and all that and on the message boards, it is what it is at this point in the season. No more talking about so-and-so should have played. Everybody knows they should have played more. Now it's they need to produce when they get the opportunity. We'll see what happens. Carolina wins 85-61. Greg, let's look ahead a little bit to Virginia. I've always thought, um, and I want to get your take because you've been doing this a while, I've always thought that getting one game under your belt in the ACC tournament is, is kind of a good thing, and then you're playing somebody that's been sitting. I thought Boston College came out hot. Uh, they're just not very good. Um, does that benefit Carolina going to this Virginia game, uh, the fact that they got this game in tonight? And the starters probably played a little more than they should have. Love, I see, is at 36 minutes. But I don't think any sort of uh, fatigue is an issue in two games, right? For sure not. And I think kind of an important thing uh, to kind of parse that out some, yes, Caleb Love got 36 minutes. Yes, R.J. Davis played 32 uh, but Carolina had a double-digit lead for pretty much, I mean, what, 30-plus minutes of the game. So it wasn't a stressful 36 minutes for Caleb Love. Um, you're still out there. You're still going through the your, your activities and all those kind of things. But it's not every possession matters kind of deal. Um, and so you can pick your spots to kind of uh, you take a breather, if you will. And so I, I think that that lessens it a little bit. But yeah, you're you're not worried about legs in day two anyway. Uh, you're worried about legs, and once you get to day three and, and maybe day four, if you if you make it that far, for sure. Um, and I I I think it helps in terms of um, Virginia hadn't played, so you understand kind of the, the flow of the court and all those things. That matters a little bit. I'm not sure. I kind of go back and forth on that. What what I do think matters is you needed to see the ball go in the basket because this team has struggled so much to shoot the ball, especially the guards. Um, I think that's a very good thing. I, you, I want to stay on Virginia, but I think this is important to, to note. Um, Caleb and RJ, Caleb was 9 of 20. RJ was 7 of 12. Uh, R, Caleb 3 of 8 from 3. RJ 4 of 6. That's to be expected against this level of opponent. And I, I looked at the numbers as the game was going on. Against teams outside the top 100 in Ken Palm. So from 101 to 363, RJ shooting 54% from two, 41% from three. Caleb is shooting 52% from two, and he's only 28% from three. So he struggled against everybody from, from long range. Um, so that's kind of what you expect against this caliber of team. Now, those numbers change quite a bit when you get – playing better teams. So I don't think people need to read too much into that, but certainly the fact that they were able to get into Greensboro, get on the court, see some shots go down. I think that really, really helps. I think that's the most important part of this. Yeah. And, and people, I agree with that. And that's, I, I didn't realize the numbers were that stark, especially for RJ. Yeah. That's a big difference, but looking at the assists, 16 assists on 34, made baskets. I think they've been averaging 12, 13 assists, which is not Carolina basketball, if folks want to call it that. So to see that, that was better. Um, one thing, Greg, and then I have a, a sort of off-topic question, but one thing that is a little concerning is the slowdown offense. And this is where I think they struggle not having a true, quote-unquote, point guard, is when 
they were slowing the ball down against Boston College. And granted, they still made a couple of the shots. They just didn't look good on offense. And, and it always ended up with Love or RJ having to create. Is it what I'm seeing that it's a point guard issue? Because it looked like a lot of dribbling and a lot of people standing around when they're trying to do that. I feel like when they're more aggressive, it was a little cleaner tonight. Yeah, I really believe it. I was going to make this point. Um, but like Caleb, for example, in the first half, there was a ton of energy. He was moving quite a bit. He was attacking the rim. He was really in the flow. He was just kind of bouncing. Um, I feel like we don't see that a whole lot. Mm-hmm. There's there's so much standing around when you're trying to run a lot of these half-court sets. I almost think that kind of affects them. It's like they're walking in cement sometimes. Uh, but you're right, in the first half when they're making shots and they're running up and down the court a little bit, everybody just has a different energy, and, and everybody moves more, and it just makes things flow easier. Um, so you, you know, maybe the fact that it's a it's a point guard issue could be part of it. I, mean, I think RJ does a pretty good job. Um, but I think a lot of it is just the way the sets are developed. And it, it is it's very much an NBA style look to what Hubert Davis is wanting to do. Um, and when you've got NBA guys doing it, then you can be very efficient with it. But when you're playing some of the guys that are playing right now, I understand Hubert's got to get his guys in uh, beyond what he already has. Um, but it just kind of looks um, like grinds to a halt, kind of to your point. And I think we saw that in the second half when Carolina tried to take the air out of the ball a little bit. Yeah, and against Virginia, that's what they want to do. They want right. to grind it to a halt. So you got to be making shots. A couple of stats I'll point out before I ask you the last question. Carolina had 10 offensive rebounds, 16 second-chance points, only five fast break points and somebody asked that in the chat and only 61 possessions so they were at 1.393 points per possession which is good uh, but only five of those were on uh, fast break opportunities and, and so Virginia is going to want to slow it down and grind it out and that's why that slow down offense is so important you make shots against Virginia you get to the rim against Virginia you can beat them um, but if you stall out that's what they want to see they they want to suffocate you and do that. That's why I think um, I didn't like seeing them slow it down as much as they did. Um, sort of stay in rhythm, stay stay with a foot on the gas. Yeah, and Virginia does a good job with first shot defense with that pack line style that they use. Uh, in, in Chapel Hill, Carolina was able to make some threes over top of it, and you can make threes against anybody. That kind of changes the dynamic. But where Carolina's had a lot of success in the past is even if that first shot doesn't go in, uh, as long as you're getting offensive rebound opportunities, which is where Armando Baycott comes into play, uh, you can live with it and you create extra possessions that way. So it's the combination of uh, Baycott's a little bit banged up now, more than he already had been, and then you've got the issues with the slowing it down. It's like if Carolina's not making threes tomorrow, uh, it's going to be a very, very difficult for this team to win. Yeah, and and to somebody in the chat that is uh, new, so appreciate you joining. And Carolina did score 85 points. Uh, they're at zero right now against Virginia. So it resets. So you don't get to bank them all. So Carolina has to play Virginia tomorrow. I guess the quarterfinals of the ACC now, whatever whatever they're calling it. This is, this is the old school Friday on tomorrow. 
Carolina and Virginia. Greg, let me ask you one question, and this is sort of a take on the NCAA. During the game, um, somebody posted, or in Ross or Adam, you know, Bo May and one other were sitting in the stands because of the NCAA rule of only 15 on the bench. And I had a conversation, shout out Spencer Dalton, former Carolina walk-on. He talked about how devastating it was for him to have to sit in the stands during the NCAA tournament after being a part of the team the entire time. What What is the NCAA doing? Uh, what is the ACC doing? I mean, can do you have any rhyme or reason or explain why they punish and it, it's more so Carolina, right? Because Carolina always has 15, 18 kids on the team because they yep. have JV players moved up and walk-ons. I mean, they are the exact guys that we see on these commercials talking about only 1% goes pro in the field of basketball or whatever, and they're making them sit in the stands. How stupid is that? It's incredibly stupid. And I, I've asked that in the past. And I've never really gotten a, a good answer. One of the answers that I was given, and it wasn't as like an official comment, it was like, I think this is kind of why we do it. It was because if they have a set number that's uniform across you know, the entire tournament, that way they can plan easier for locker rooms and for all these different things that go on logistics uh, beyond just the basketball court. Um I agree with you hard, wholeheartedly. And I hate the fact that the ACC football, you have a travel limit. You can only take so many guys, even if you're just going down the street. Um, I think that's stupid. I mean, if you're part of the team, you're part of the team. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And I hate having to see that. We, we've written stories about that in the past. I think it's silly. It's something that should change. Um, but to your point, you know, Carolina is special in that regard. They have, they have so many guys they like to be able to travel. And I guess some teams just don't. And so it's uh, it's just never really been addressed adequately. Yeah, just what an idiotic thing. I mean, the yeah. definition of student athlete, the ones that aren't going pro, the ones that aren't making NIL money, and they're just – you got to sit in the stands with a suit it, on. Right, and the reward, <laughs> the reward of all your hard work is the postseason. So, like, when it gets to be time, when they can have a reward, they've got to sit in the stands, come on. Yeah, it it is is another – it's the definition of lunacy. Um, Brian Bosworth had it right, man, back in the day. When was that, in the 80s when he used to rip on the NCAA? He had it nailed right then. But Carolina advances to Virginia 7 o'clock tomorrow in the Greensboro Coliseum. They get a win, a much-needed win, one of the needed wins. Greg, are we still at – they need to get to the finals. Or still need to win it. Is that where you are still? I think so. And you know, as I mentioned earlier, BC is number 162 in the net. And this is Q3. This game did absolutely nothing for North Carolina's resume. If you lose it, then you're completely out. Um, you had to have it. So they, they took care of business. Now you got to have tomorrow. Um, and I think if you take care of business tomorrow and then you can win again Friday, uh, now you're back in the conversation. I mean, I think if they win tomorrow, they're back in the conversation, and then they would probably need Friday night to get to where they're right on the bubble. Um, you know, and then at that point, it, there's a lot of different variables that come into play. I saw Wisconsin lost tonight. That helps. Uh, so some, some things like that would have to play out. But you got to win. Got to win, I, I think, at least three to, to feel like you've got a chance for Selection Sunday. 
Yeah, and to your point on on the beat the other night, you want chalk in every other conference tournament, especially I've watched whatever it was the Southland before. Yeah. Um, you know, the one seed has to win all of those tournaments because if if they don't, then Carolina gets pushed. Yeah, I mean, last night Charleston, like if UNCW had beaten Charleston, Charleston's right there in the bubble mix too. So even if they had lost that game. That's somebody Carolina would have to go against. So, so fortunately for Carolina, Charleston was able to come back and win that game. Yeah, it is a March Madness for a reason. It is certainly a bubble watch and watching all the other conference tournaments and all that kind of stuff, definitely worth it. We'll be watching tomorrow, 7 p.m., Virginia and Carolina. Much needed win tonight. Another huge one for Carolina's postseason hopes. That's Greg Barnes. I've been your host, Tommy Ashley. It's been Inside Carolina Postgame. Shout out, as always, to the close to 400 folks that took time out of your day to join us. We'll be back tomorrow in some form. Check out all the content from the boys in Greensboro. Always at InsideCarolina.com. Thanks, Greg. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, shit. what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.